Hi there, Clive here, editor of this here podcast. Um, if you can hear me before our fantastic theme tune, that normally means something's gone wrong. Um, here, in this particular instance, Flux's audio was a bit dodge. Loads of background noise on it for some weird reason. Still perfectly listenable, but just a warning and apology ahead of time. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be sorting it out, we'll investigate what's gone wrong, and next time he'll be sounding as beautiful as ever. Um, don't let this detract from his probably one of the most professional reviews we've ever had on Stick Around from the Fluxmeister himself. Anyway, bye-bye. Enjoy this episode. Adios. Get your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture With Stick Around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around Prepare for trouble And make it double To protect the world from devastation To unite all peoples within our nation To denounce the evils of truth and love To extend our reach to the stars above Clive James Stick around, blast off at the speed of light. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Dave, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I nailed it. Uh, Brought to you by daftquid.com, the sport betting (laughs) website that challenges you to put your fucking money where your fucking mouth is. Stick around (laughs) listeners can get a daftquid free bet when they use the promotional code stickaroundpod. Legal reminder, gambling is for people who are at least claiming to be 18 and older. Gambling should be exhilarating, <laughs> dancing a tightrope between glory and despair, but please gamble responsibly. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, yeah, what, what, what an introduction that was. <laughs> um, yeah, so we are on Games episode 18. Um, welcome everyone. Um, we're joined by the usual crowd, so we've got sat right next to me, Clive Fisher. Ahoy hoy everyone. Over the airwaves, we've got um, Alex Wayne. You, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> we've got James Flux. Hello there, everyone. <laughs> Sorry. I'm less down with the kids and than Al with his YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> was that a you only live once or just a sort of weird? Um, well, I kind of got stuck. I was going to go for my usual yo, but then I thought I'll change it up. And then I got I ended up saying YOLO. <laughs> and last but not least, David Peeling. Rufflecopter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, uh, has, has everyone pl- been playing lots of games? I would say I've been playing an average amount of games. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, been playing very little games, so I'll just be co-hosting and providing top bants with James Cable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we're that's what we're best at. Dave, been playing lots of games. Uh, not a dangerous amount, I don't think. Not, not a dangerous amount. When, when does it become dangerous? Well, I'll, when I'll... you stop eating. When you eat nothing but Doritos and Mountain Dew. There used to be a reminder on the game Baldur's Gate that said, while your character doesn't need to eat, you do. Please take a break. Which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, the same thing happens on Football Manager games after a while. Although it does also remind you to change your underwear. <laughs> change shorts! <laughs> in, jo- in joke. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's get, let's cool. get this party started. Um, Bam. Let's let's go to a little village somewhere outside of Bolton. James Flux, what have you got for us? 
Uh, right. Well, I've got I've got two games for you today. One that's going to be two a, games. One that's going to be an absolute Whoa. epic, and it's going to take forever. And Clive's going to hate me for the amount of editing. And then one that's like two minutes at the end. Um, right. So I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to love you. I'm going to start with the. Uh, I'm going to start with the epic, uh, which is the game Destiny, um, on all the usual platforms: Xbox 360, PS3, Xbox One, PS4. I've actually played this on two platforms, both the Xbox 360 version and now a PS4 version. Uh, developed by Bungie, probably best known for Halo, uh, and published by Activision. Uh, this game was originally released on the 9th of September 2014, um, but various uh, expansions have been out and a collection was released of all of, all of the games on the 20th of September this year. Um, Destiny's a bit of a hard game to define or, or to put in a particular category. Uh, first and foremost, it is a first-person shooter, um, but there's also elements of um, sort of MMORPG. There's some third-person stuff. Um, it's it's sort of a, a bit a bit of a bit of a mismatch. Um, so, um, the best way to probably describe it is to break it down into the various modes that you can play. Um, so the first one is obviously story mode. Uh, and these are effectively segmented into separate missions across a shared open world environment, which means that other players are in the same world as you, like they are in an MMORPG. Um, however, on the story mode, there are also separate um, areas where it simply zooms in on you, and if you're playing cooperatively, your fire team around you. Um, so it's open world up to a certain point, and then it boots out the other players for the dark zones which are effectively restricted areas for, for the people that are playing. Um, in these missions, you're effectively provided with free reign to explore the open world, but you have a set of objectives that the game will guide you to. Um, and that that will go across various checkpoints um, that you'll move across as, as the story, as it is, expands. Um, there may or may not be a boss at the end, but it's effectively a self-contained mission that puts the story on a little further. Um, the second mode is the Crucible. This is pretty easy to explain. It's fairly standard first-person shooter PvP. You're playing against other players like you in a first-person shooter environment with the usual modes, free-for-all, team deathmatch, capture the flag, domination, that, that type of thing. Um, a personal favourite being uh, the supremacy mode, which is effectively team deathmatch, but you have, in order for the kill to count, you have to collect the crest that is dropped by the other player, so it adds a kind of element of you can't just run around killing people, you kind of have to pick up these items that they drop on the floor, and so there's a, a sort of additional tactical element of can you go and pick that up, or is someone going to be waiting for you to pick that up, and so on and so forth. Um, and then there's also uh, strikes and raids, now these are effectively uh, PVE, so like the story mode, you're, you're playing against the, the computer-generated swarm of enemies, if you like. Uh, but these are co-op-only missions that typically end in a boss pretty much every single time. Um, these are side... Th these sort of relate to the story, but are effectively side quests that you go on with a group of either uh, two other people or five other people. Um, and effectively work your way through before defeating the boss at the end uh, and typically you, you get some pretty good equipment and stuff at the end and then finally there is the patrol mode 
which is effectively uh, your ability to just explore the open world environment, the shared open world environment, and just bomb around. You can pick up small little quests here and there, um, but basically you've free reign to do what you want ha throughout the entire open world of, of that particular level. Um, like I say, there's various different elements of, of each, um, so it's predominantly first-person shooter, but there are there are some third third person elements when you're negotiating via your speeder bike called a sparrow um, and there are also some sort of low level RPG elements so your character does level up and you there is a li very limited skills tree that you can focus on um, sort of particular benefits to your character or otherwise um, and also there's a lot of benefits in the form of weapons so whatever level you are you can only use weapons that uh, that allow you to based on your level so some some weapons are restricted to a certain level um, and there is ultimately a level cap that I'll come on to in a minute um, the main story essentially follows you as a guardian which is a, a resurrected champion of the light as it were you'll you'll fit into one of three classes that you choose at the beginning uh, Titan hunter or warlock that all have slightly different abilities um, your best bets to just do do a quick bit of online research to decide which one you want to go as when you first start off um, and you head out and you're effectively resurrected and told that um, the darkness and is coming um, and that you need to effectively defend the earth from these various various uh, alien races that are looking to invade and attack the earth um, the various different races are the fallen the hive the vex and the cabal each of which has kind of different different abilities and different uh, units that all have their own abilities and working together. So, for example, the Cabal has a has one that's a phalanx that has a large shield at the front, and so if you get large groups of them, it's pretty hard to hit the enemies. Uh, whereas the Hive have thralls that basically have no ability to attack you other than to just tear at you at full speed and try and try and basically slash you to death with their hands. So. Again, there's different tactics based on who you're fighting and that type of thing. Um, the story itself um, effectively follows your journey across various different planets as you try and take on these various forces. Um, generally, there'll be one or two forces per planet. You won't have to fight them all on every single planet. Um, and the story progresses based on your journey across the stars, repelling these forces from the Earth. Um, in terms of pros, there is a massive depth of content here. Obviously, there's all the different modes, and you can really get out of this game whatever you want every time you boot it up. If you want to play some PvP, that's fine. The Crucible's there, and you can just play that any time. If you want just to bomb around uh, the moon or Mars or whatever, and just explore and at your own pace, whether for five minutes or five hours then you're welcome to do that and obviously if you want to do the stories or raids and things like that you can obviously follow the progression of the story as you would you can go back and play old missions you can go back and adjust the difficulty on old missions so that as you level up you can go back and play old missions but make them up to the difficulty of the level that you are now so you're not just walking through a really easy level um, and, and there is an absolute huge depth of content from the story missions through the raids absolutely everything um, there is a real, real lot of different modes and loads to do in each one. Um, 
the visuals, the graphics are great. I particularly like the graphics of the moon. The moon itself looks absolutely brilliant and it really draws you in um, when you're trying to play. It really sucks you into that world. Um, and I think they've done a really good job of making the representation, like I say, particularly of the moon, look really realistic to how I would imagine the moon would look if I was on it. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not Neil Armstrong, but it looks it looks exactly <laughs> like you would imagine it to, no. to look if you were there. I know, I know. Sorry <laughs> to ruin the illusion, everyone. Um, another pro is the way they've integrated the shared open world into those environments. They've done a really good job of finding the balance on a story mode between you being able to see other players playing and other players being able to assist you just because they happen to be playing in that same shared open world but then also restricting them when they need to at the boss so that you don't have 500 players all swarming around a boss, making it really easy. They've judged that just right to be enough that you feel like you're in a big world where there are lots of people uh, fighting against sort of a common enemy and you, and you feel part of that. But then equally, when you need to narrow down and bits of it need to be hard or bits of it need to at least be one-on-one, they've done a really good job of seamlessly integrating the concept of that through the darkness zones. And you just walk in, it notifies you straight away that you're in a darkness zone and that you're not going to see anyone else. And they've, done, and they've made that really, really seamless. In fact, for a while, I didn't really know what the darkness zones were. I knew that they impacted on your ability to respawn, so I assumed that they were just before bosses. But then I was like, no, sometimes when I'm just going into a particular area, they're there, I wonder what it's to do with. And it's only only after doing a bit of research, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I don't see any other characters when I'm doing story missions, because they've they've brought in this concept of the darkness zone. It, 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 it really makes sense. It really works well. Um, another positive is your sparrow. You get given a speeder bike, that helps you travel through the open world because a lot, a lot of it's quite uh, sort of expansive, open, and you need to get from one place to another quite quickly. Um, and the way they do that with the sparrow, but it feels really fast. I don't know. It's obviously the way they shoot the camera from the third-person perspective, but you actually feel like you're moving really fast, even though realistically you play games where you're. Uh, using similar devices, racing cars, whatever, and you're clearly moving much faster. You're not moving that fast on the Sparrow. The graphics aren't that fast, but it feels fast. It gives a kind of real impression of kinetic energy, which is really, really good. Um, In terms of cons, there are some. In particular for people, I think, joining the game now, after it's been out for such a long time, the one that really, really winds me up is the PvP balancing system. Theoretically, when you're playing in the Crucible, everyone is supposed to be on the same footing, and what they don't allow is for uh, sort of the levels to affect you, as it were. So a level 20, theoretically, has the same skills and what have you as a level 40. However, in practice, that doesn't work, because whilst they do level out the levels and the abilities of each Guardian, they don't for the equipment and so given that equipment is level specific if you're a level 40 you can use any gun any armor anything from the game and you'll get all the benefits of that whereas a level 20 can only use more basic guns that deal less damage and armor that protects you less so you're not on a level playing field even if they do balance up the levels because the equipment isn't balanced um, and that can be really frustrating if you're coming in as a level 10 or a level 20 against a load of level 40s, you're just going to get killed. There, No matter how skilled you are, 
they've got better equipment than you, they take less damage than you, but give out more damage than you, they're just going to kill you. Um, one of the other cons I find is this concept of a soft cap. So effectively, there is a level cap at level 40. No one is any more than level 40 across the entire game. That's where the level ends. However, after you reach level 40, you get effectively increased levels based on your level of light, which is worked out by aggregating the abilities of your weapons and armour so that more different characters can have more light as they get better equipment and so on and so forth, and therefore they are, in effect, levels above you albeit that they're capped at level 40, theoretically. It makes it really hard to gauge different players. You go into an environment and everyone's a level 40, you expect everyone to be the same, whereas actually there'll be some people there that are level 40 with, say, 150 light, and some people there that are level 40 with 200, 300 light, whatever. And so whilst you think they're going to be the same, they're not because one's got the better equipment and there's no way of actually knowing that you can you can find it out in the overall um, kind of list of players what each person's light is but in the game itself when you're aiming at someone you have no idea what their light is you only know what their level is and so the concept of this soft cap and then having the levels of light afterwards whilst giving a sense of progression after you've hit the top level of 40 doesn't really work in things like the pvp and it makes it really difficult to gauge the type of enemy that you're or the type of individual that you're facing or that you're paired with because you don't know how good they are really because it depends on the, the level of their equipment one of the other downsides to this game is that the story isn't particularly well explained a lot of it seems relatively cliched and there's very very obvious references to the forces of good and the forces of darkness and kind of the generic oh light is good dark is bad but the game isn't explained very well you get these cards as you play on that effectively provide the backstory and the lore and you can go away and read them and I'm sure they're very interesting but they don't explain the story very well in the game when you're actually playing and I don't have enough interest in the all of the backstory to go and spend hours reading into it via these grimoire cards as I think they're pronounced. And so as a result, the story seems somewhat lacking. And when people ask me, like, oh, what's this or what's that? I'm like, oh, I don't really know. I just get the basic gist of it that, oh, yeah, that's a bad thing. Or, oh, yeah, they're neutral in this war. Or, oh, yeah, this it's, it's basically this. And I don't really have an in-depth understanding of the story or any of the backstory because it's not very well explained. I understand why they've done that because they've wanted to limit the concept of cutscenes and things like that for the cooperative play element um, which this game really focuses on but actually it, it does sort of impinge on you because you're not as immersed in the story as perhaps you would be if it was explained a little better whether that's by narration over the top or by the odd cutscene every now and again ultimately I really like Destiny it's brilliantly designed as a social game and it's definitely got me back playing games with people that I hadn't played games with for a long time and it really focuses on that kind of social experience element through the shared open world and the closed fire teams and the way that certain missions are cooperative only and will group you with other players and stuff like that and it's like I say, it's done a really great job of reconnecting me with some people that I didn't play games with anymore because we all got this and we were like, right, 
let's just let's just play through it we can play cooperatively through the entire story and have a great time and we'll just play once a week and there's definitely that element to it it's definitely better playing with other people um having i've played both solo and with other people and it definitely is much better playing with other people it's also done quite a good job with the exception of the explanation of the story of staying a good solo game i like i said i've played this both solo and cooperatively and i didn't feel when i was playing solo oh no this is clearly a game that's designed only for co-op play i can't play this on my own you absolutely can you absolutely can pick it up and play it on your own it just isn't quite as good but i think many games are like that if there is a social element to it it's obviously going to improve it i don't think this game is necessarily bad if you're playing solo it's just better if you're playing co-op so i think it's done a really good job of that like i say there's a lot of depth for this game there's a lot of content and it has drained a lot of my time recently like i say playing both solo and co-op and ultimately i really like it there are some flaws but with a game that is sort of as groundbreaking as this was when it came out in a genre effectively of its own there's there's bound to be a few little niggles and i don't begrudge the game the problems that it has <laughs> what was that? That, that was that was the fanfare for the end of my review. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what timing? <laughs> well, does anything else really need to be said? Um... <laughs> yeah, that was in depth. Yeah, I did um, warn you. I did. Warn I know. You. I, I know a lot of people who uh, play this game. Um, do you, do you play it a lot online, Flux, or is it um, more one player for yourself? Um, a bit of both. As it stands, I've got one character. Um, I've set myself up two characters, so I've got one that I play for solo, and that, that's now level 40, um, and I use that a lot more for playing in the PvP and stuff because I've got some pretty decent equipment now and can hold my own in the Crucible. Um, and then I've got one character that I'm playing with my fire team. Shout out to Kenny, who's in it because I know he listens. Um, and that uh, <laughs> and that I effect, effectively use for for playing with other people, so that we're all at a fixed level rather than me being massively powerful and going back and playing old missions when they're less powerful. Show off. Cool. Right. Uh, has anyone else played Destiny at all? I've not. No, I've heard loads and loads about it. But um, yeah, I, I would be interested to play it. But like Flux says, I want to play it with people. And at the minute, my schedule is kind of like. When I decide to play a game, it's kind of like right there and then. So it's not as if I can coordinate very well with people. <laughs> so might have to wait for a, for a holiday or something. But I do, I do want to play it, even though I'm not a massive fan of shooters. I do like the space vibe, and I've heard some good things. So Yeah, it's, it's not one that I've played. I think it kind of it came out just before I got into the PlayStation, and it came out to some pretty mixed reviews. Um and I didn't get it at the very start and then I always felt quite intimidated to get into it because there have been so many expansions and things like that and it always seemed quite um, quite an effort to get into it and I also have an inherent distrust and of any game that is better played with other people than played by myself in a very dark room yeah I'm with you there I share, I share that sentiment as well yeah with you there uh, gaming Fl- should not Flux, be would you say Flux would you say that you've fulfilled your destiny in playing this game <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think of one, but a Destiny joke, but I couldn't. You know, and, it's that, not and, that, and that's why we have, and that's why we have Cable as a host because he can make the jokes that you go. <laughs> yeah. 
Basically, yeah. That's Christ. Right, right, I mean. That was more on the <laughs> death for the Destiny joke. And on that note, let's go to Clive Fisher with the next review. <laughs> oh, I was trying you to think of Destiny's child. You know pun. that I'm not prepared. <laughs> well, we can go. Else, we can go elsewhere if you'd like. No, it's fine. You're sat next to me. You know my preparation is literally. I've just got the Wikipedia page. <laughs> um, right. Holla. Holla. I'm going to talk about Ratchet and Clank. A Brackets 2016 video game, according to Wikipedia. It's good to know. <laughs> um, this is on the PS4. Was released in April. Um, what year? Specifically, April of, um, this year. <laughs> April the 22nd. Uh, Beck bought me this for my birthday, and which is awesome because Beck is awesome and she's definitely not stood there <laughs> right, next, right now. Um, so, Ratchet and Clank is a three-dimensional platform shooter video game developed by Insomniac Games and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It's a reimagining of the first game in the series, based on the film adaption by Rainmaker Entertainment and Blockade Entertainment. The game was originally planned to be released on PlayStation 4 in 2015, but was delayed, along with the film, to April 2016 in order to give the film a better marketing campaign and game, game additional polish time. That was definitely not read off Wikipedia. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is a. I've not played any of the previous Ratchet and Clank games. I did actually buy Ratchet and Clank something or other, something or other on PS3, um, and played it for about ten seconds and didn't carry on for some reason. I think something distracted me. I never put it back in. It's one of those things where I got it for like a quid, so I didn't invest much in it. <laughs> but um, I heard such great things about this one, and it's the kind of game I like where it's you know cartoony, a bit retro in um, its kind of what it does. A bit different to all of the games out at the minute, so I thought, um, yeah, put this on the birthday list and got it, and I was very happy. So, essentially, you control Ratchet, mainly Ratchet, but also Clank occasionally, who's his... Ratchet's a kind of... I've forgotten his species name, but some weird space species, but he looks a bit like a fox with big ears. Um, and Clank is a robot, and they kind of work together as a tandem you know, destroying evil in the galaxy. Essentially, Ratchet wants to be a galactic ranger, which is like the sort of police force in the galaxy. And he joins them sort of pretty near the start of the game. And you kind of fight evil in the galaxy throughout the game. So it's not much of a much of a story-based game, but it's a very... It recalls to me the kind of PS1, um, maybe PS2, N64 kind of era of platformer it's an action platformer but you do a fair bit of shooting but it's third person so it's not like a first person shooter where it's it's not really twitch gameplay it's a bit more casual than that which I really liked and the platforming in it is not particularly difficult it's pretty casual but keeps you entertained and um, I, I absolutely love this game I thought it was really really good there's tons of like ridiculous weapons that you can um buy and upgrade and um, there's kind of RPG elements in that you can up level each of the weapons when you collect you collect these nuts and bolts and things and they uh, then you can level up the and a specific element that I've forgotten the name of and then you can level up your weapons and get they can gain different abilities and you've got fantastic weapons such as the sheepinator which turns things into sheep and are thus then very easily killable uh, <laughs> Along with, um, there's a, the Groovatron, my personal favourite weapon, which just makes everyone dance around. <laughs> oh, that sounds <laughs> which, amazing. Which uh, means you can just perform a huge massacre, which is uh, good fun. Also brilliant is the fact that for, I was playing a boss and I couldn't beat him, and I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll try the Groovatron on this guy. <laughs> I thought, it's never going to work. Surely they haven't made the boss dance around. Sure as hell, the boss started dancing around and I kicked his ass. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, things like that I love about this game. Um, it's just a hell of a lot of fun, basically. It wasn't particularly... It's like eight hours long, which for me was long enough because I only pay... Um, well, I didn't pay anything for it because Beck bought me it. However, <laughs> it is available for about £20. It was released at a cut price. It wasn't released as a full price game, which I think is pretty cool. But there's plenty of it there. Um, like I said, it played eight hours. It had enough variety in those eight hours. There was lots of platform, lots of shooting. You can jetpack around. Um, there's lots of there's bits where you can like grind on rails. There's flying bits uh, where you're in a spaceship shooting things. There's enough variety to keep you interested. And I wouldn't have wanted it to go on for any longer than eight hours. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. I'm happy that it... Yeah, I, I just loved the game throughout. Whereas quite often if a game's longer than eight or ten hours I get tired of it around about that point <laughs> no matter how good it is and um, so yeah I was really happy that it finished at a point when I was still really loving it and the only sort of negative I would say is once you finish the game you then get to start the game again in what's called I think it's called challenge mode where everything's got a little bit harder but you can use all your leveled up weapons which is kind of cool because you can use all your weapons in their best form and by the end of the game you've leveled up a lot of your weapons and they've become much more interesting and powerful than they were at the start but then it makes all your enemies kind of harder but the most annoying thing is that you have to just play through the same story again and you have to watch all the cutscenes which is a little bit annoying when you've just gone through it and um, so it's the kind of thing I might do like in a year go through that mode again but and also I it doesn't really make certain things clear like later on there's a bit of a spoiler but there's a certain item which will reveal collectibles to you and I missed it and that means I've now can't get it again until I get to that place again in the challenge mode and it's pretty near the end of the game <laughs> whereas if I'd known that was there I would have got it and then it would have made the challenge mode more interesting for me because I could have made it also um, try to get all the collectibles in it not just defeat all the enemies and get to the end of the game but yeah, I mean, I absolutely love this game. It's one of my favourite games on PS4, definitely. It's reminded me of my favourite era of gaming, which is N64 era <laughs> kind of things. Not necessarily having a fantastic story, but just being fun to play and having fun characters. The cutscenes and things are really, really good because it's actually it uses some cutscenes from the film. There's a film out, which is apparently terrible. But <laughs> some of the cutscenes and things are taken from the film, which are, are pretty good. And the thing that's notable is the fact that when it comes out of that film cutscene and back into the game, it's not jarring the difference in quality, like graphical quality. This is a really, really good looking game. Probably one of the best looking on the PS4, I think. It's, and it shows kind of the, the PS4's capability of pulling off that cartoony vibe, which you don't see that much, except for in Overwatch. It's probably the only other game that I've played that has a particularly cartoony vibe on the PS4. Um, so yeah, I don't have that much more to say on it other than, yeah, it's just a really imaginative game, kind of retro vibe, the gameplay's really solid, it's got loads of inventive, fun weapons to mess around with, it's not a game that's for sort of serious, hardcore gamers who, I don't know, want an amazing Twitch gameplay that's going to be really difficult, it's not really like that, it's more of a casual game, but I enjoyed it for that, and yeah, really, really good, you should check it out if you haven't already, if you're into that kind of thing. Sweet. This sounds like my kind of game. Yeah, I would say it's your kind of game. It's, it, I think it's a PlayStation game for Nintendo fans, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, well, I, I, never, I never got into actually Clank when I was younger because it was PlayStation and I was into Nintendo. Mm -hmm. But I, my friends played it and it looked really cool. Has anyone else played this? No. I've not played any of them. I think it's quite interesting. Uh, I know you've said that the movie is apparently terrible, but I think it's quite interesting that 
they've tied them in, uh, kind of in an immersive fashion. It's quite a good idea, yeah. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, they the the film is basically about what's happening in the video game, so they just thought, well, why not use the uh, <laughs> why not use the cutscenes from the film in the game? And it does work. I think in another game, it would be in a game of a different era, it would have been too jarring the difference between the cutscenes and the game. But like I say, the graphics are really, really good, so it's not at all. And it works really, really well. The, ca- the characters are all, while the story's not anything fantastic, the characters are all fun. And that's kind of what, what I want from a game. I'm not bothered about, well, this kind of game. I'm not bothered about an incredibly deep story. Or <laughs> I just want the dynamic between the characters to be fun. And Ratchet and Clank's dynamic is fun. Made me laugh plenty of times. Sweet. So yeah, really good game. And I, I think it's cool that they released um, this a solid example uh, at a lower price with it because they knew it wasn't um, you know it's eight or nine hours long which might not be as long as people expect or something so they released it I think it's pretty cool that they reduced it reduced its price unlike say something like No Man's Sky where they upped the price beyond <laughs> expectations um, so yeah I think it's pretty cool but anyway yeah I'll finish there cool so not, not as in depth as uh, Mr Flux's Destiny review but I Maybe. like it Maybe not as in-depth a game, though. Yeah, very true, I think, yeah. (laughs) Right, before we move on, I'd like to read a a quote out of this excellent book I bought, Clive. (laughs) Cable, um, ironically, it was... Well, this probably isn't ironic. It's probably like that song, (laughs) Ironic, where everything's not actually ironic. Um, Cable's birthday was on Sunday, and I forgot about it, and Cable has now come on Tuesday and bought me a present. (laughs) Whereas I... (laughs) Classy, classy. But essentially, Sean sums up my shit friend. I'm just rubbing, in, rubbing salt in the wound that you forgot, <laughs> and that I'm feeling guilty about it. He's, he's feeling guilty about it. I feel it. pretty terrible. About <laughs> but yeah, get, I, I bought him this book about the essential. It's called the Essential Pokemon Book of Joy. Um, feeling blue, what would po- what would Pikachu do? <laughs> and I just wanted to read this quote out because I feel like it's quite relevant to gaming. Um, and it's a quote by Ash Ketchum, um, <laughs> my hero. There's nothing we could ever do that's a waste of time. Bam! And I think some people would say that gaming is a waste of time, but I don't think anything is. Well, Ash doesn't think anything is. And I, I, think it's a good I agree point. with Ash. And there's a picture next to it of Meowth playing with a uh, ball of wool. Which and some people would say is a waste of time, but he's having fun. He's having fun. As was I playing with Ash. This downtime, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. He's had a tough day catching mice and lying around. Now he's... Yeah. And being defeated. Being defeated. Talking, being in a Pokemon, I could talk. So yeah, that's that. Yeah, I've, I, don't ever I've, feel like gaming is a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I've been known to play with wool myself. Um, never a waste of time. Um, right, uh, let's move to the big smoke. He's been waiting a while. He's a, a shirtless Lothario. He's David Keely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll have you know I'm a Lothario shirtless or not. Um, so. Since we last spoke, uh, I've I've um, I've played a couple of games. One of which we've already spoken about in the podcast before, which uh, was Uncharted Four, which um, I absolutely loved, by the way. And um, I remember the last time we spoke, I remember saying something along the lines of the Uncharted games weren't necessarily some weren't necessarily the best game I've ever seen on PlayStation visually. And I've now played Uncharted 4 and realised that I was talking clean out of my arsehole. Um, <laughs> and that Uncharted 4 was staggeringly beautiful. Um, 
and yeah absolutely wonderful graphics uh, a real testament to what the playstation can do um out of the box that you bought two years ago um without the need to purchase more hardware precisely um since <laughs> since then i've uh I've invested in the game i'm going to talk about in slightly more depth today uh rise of the tomb raider um it's the sequel to the 2013 game Tomb Raider, which is itself a reboot of the original Tomb Raider franchise. Um, and um, this game follows on the story of the first uh, the first game. This follows Lara Croft uh, venturing into Siberia in search of the legendary city of Kitesh. Um, not one that I'd heard of before, but is uh, considered a... Uh, a Russian mythological version of Atlantis, a kind of sunken city. The game works in a very similar way to the first. It's a third-person shooter, action, adventure, explorer-type game um, set in a uh, kind of limited open world. We're not talking um, Grand Theft Auto scale here but you do progress through a series of maps which are open to explore, albeit they're not, uh, they're not enormous or massively large. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider originally came out back in November of 2015, forsaking its PlayStation roots uh, and selling out for, um, you know, to grub money from the dirty bastards at Xbox for a <laughs> one-year exclusive on a console and was released for PlayStation, uh, the home of Tomb Raider, um, in October of 2016 as Rise of the Tomb Raider 20-year celebration. Uh, in, so the, the version on PlayStation also includes... Um, the Blood Ties, uh, Laura's Nightmare, Baba Yaga, and Cold Darkness Awakened DLC. So all the DLC that's been released, um, various bits and pieces, new weapons, outfits, uh, and a uh, extreme survivor difficulty mode, which includes no checkpoints, which I've not braved yet, um, and co-op support for the endurance mode, which I'll get onto a little bit later on. Um the game it the game itself I, I, I uh like i say it features all the same all the all the mechanics from the first game you um start off with only a uh a climbing hook to begin with which you can upgrade and you accumulate weaponry rifles shotguns pistols and most importantly a bow an arrow um, which you upgrade as the game progresses by collecting um, materials from around the lands that you explore and unlocking uh, features through the story of the game. The story uh, follows Lara as she comes to terms with her father's legacy and as she tries to discover the uh what, what is going on behind the mythology of the lost city of Kitesh. The story itself I found to be, um, uh, was quite gripping and I, I very much enjoyed the storytelling element of it. It's a slightly odd um, 
uh, it, it comes across. It can, it can be slightly odd to follow, um, given that each level is slightly open world. You can progress through the story, and at certain points, it will throw you back into the into the wider map and encourage you to go to the opposite side of it to carry on the story, or or you can um, uh, explore this this section of the world that you found yourself in or even fast travel back to other parts to collect collectibles and try and 100% the game so you can kind of um, take yourself out of the story a little bit which can make it a little bit difficult to follow sometimes sometimes um, whilst it's nice to explore the game occasionally uh, sometimes it's also nice to be led by the nose through a story if, if they're going to put a story in there for you um, the idea that you start off with uh, just the one item and you accumulate various upgrades and improvements um, is a kind of it's a nice way of progressing through a game. Although there is no explanation as to why she has forgotten how to do the things that she can do from the first game. Um, you accumulate the same, precisely the same skills and abilities, not just the weaponry, but also um, things that she is able to do. For example, one mechanic in the game is to click the right trigger and it um, changes her view to one which can perceive um, items in the environment. For example, walls that she can climb or doors that can open, things that can break, that kind of thing. And um, as you upgrade these, they can be used to hunt for animals. You can find large animals, features that were available in the first game. And As I say, no real reason why Lara would have forgotten to... Uh, would have forgotten this since the first one uh, when the story is supposed to be continuous um, this is somewhat of a minor point though um, the opening scenes are set in Syria and are clearly meant to showcase the graphics of the game um, as I said before this game is was a year old when it came to Playstation as it had already been on Xbox One um, since November of the previous year and PlayStation had in that intervening period put out Uncharted 4 trying to dem trying to sell Tomb Raider as a game based entirely you know trying to sell it from the very off as a as a game that is graphically uh, interesting or exciting or or unique was always going to be quite a tall order following on from Uncharted 4 and I'm sorry to say that it falls short a little bit the the games you, you uh, the, the games scream out for a direct comparison because as compared to the original Tomb Raider franchise um, which was much more of a linear kind of game um, Tomb Raider has much more of an Uncharted feel there is there are lots of elements of cover shooting then a puzzle moment then you solve the puzzle and you end up in cover shooting and you move and and so on it, it it's uh, and producers executives at um Crystal Dynamics uh have expressed the uh, the idea that this that the reboot of the Tomb Raider franchise would be to um to take on and challenge the mantle of an Uncharted type game um, it doesn't do it as well as Uncharted does it isn't quite as uh, breathtaking in, in, in its presentation that may just be because it's a year old it may be because it's not just it's just not done the job quite as well that said it's still um, 
it still is a, a, a very good looking game and it has a very good feel to it and the uh, the addition of the open world elements does give it a uh, point of differentiation from Uncharted 4 which serves it well and I think it would be better served um, playing up to those elements that differentiate it from Uncharted um, because it, it, it could be um, an even better game if, if those open world moments were somewhat better incorporated within the story um, of the game um, that I, I so I've I've really enjoyed Tomb Raider yet again it, it's missing the kind of uh, developmental phase that Lara went through in the first game which makes sense given that it's a sequel albeit as I say she kind of forgets some skills that you have to relearn um, but for that it kind of makes up for a much more richly told story and more background into where uh, Lara, Lara has come from. Uh, also on this disc, as I mentioned, is a um, is an endurance mode which um, plays separately from the story. Um, you come at it from a different menu. Um, this this but this endurance mode has been the highlight of the game for me. Um, you play as Lara in the wilderness of Siberia with the snow whipping around you um, and the game has added to um, has, has, has added a heat and a hunger um, meters so uh, as you as you start exploring through the wilderness trying to find um, uh, artifacts that have been left in tombs um, or a signal to call a helicopter back to rescue you. Uh, as you as you walk around, you become more and more hungry, necessitating a need to hunt for animals in order to um, survive. And also, a um, you become colder and colder, necessitating the need to uh, find fire or shelter in storms. And these um, these meters can drop so low that you become crippled to the point where you stop being able to run and you will fall down in pain and agony, uh, unable to shoot or aim weaponry, and eventually you can also die. Um, this, uh, as, as you and as you explore through the wilderness, you come across bands of uh, enemies who are protecting tombs or encampments or even wild animals, including bears, mountain lions, and uh, packs of wolves. The, the um, 20 year celebration on, on PS4 uh, includes a cooperative version of this game where, um, where you play with a friend uh, online and uh, you can hunt animals together. Um, you can uh, encircle enemy encampments and trap them yourselves. And you can also um, squeal like a pathetic six-year-old bitch when uh, a pack of wolves surprises you as you step out of a tomb um, straight down a microphone into your friend's ear. Um, this this game, the, the endurance mode seems it seems like a, something of a uh, an it's totally an add-on. You know, it's, it's utterly an adjunct to the main game, but. Like um, the original zombie mode on the, f the the first zombie mode in Call of Duty, uh, an element which is kind of probably some developers' little uh, aside, a little side, um, uh, 
side missions is something to to do um has become one of the most interesting and engrossing features of the game uh if you enjoy a kind of it's a kind of thrilling stealth um survival kind of element which is which is missing from the main game and i wonder if the main game would have benefited from something like this particularly when you're exploring the open world um a reason to hunt a reason to take shelter and start fires and to claim items on the ground because if there's one downside to the collectible feature in the main game it's that he's even playing on one difficulty level above the one that is recommended when you first install the game um i had i had acquired absolutely every upgrade uh, before the end of the game and at no point did um ammunition or anything like that feels scarce or something that you'd have to worry about um, holding on to unlike say the last of us where i definitely felt like i was um you know i had to worry about every shot i was going to take and if i had if i could i would if i possibly could i would take every opportunity to get in close to an enemy and that's adds such a scary kind of um you know, adrenaline rush to every encounter with an enemy rather than just pulling a shotgun out and just blasting everyone in the face. Um, yeah, it's it's it uh, it's a game that I've. That if you enjoy uh, the Uncharted games, you would definitely like this. Um, if you uh, enjoy um, a shooter, then this is going. This is a cleverer way of doing that kind of thing, and the puzzle modes and the optional tombs and things like that add an element of challenge and uh, kind of mental acumen that that your average cover shooter doesn't have. Does it do the kind of um, explorer looking for a myth, you know, mythological uh, um, temple in the middle of a desert whilst fighting off paramilitaries who are decide that they are the ancestors of some Templar? night sect from the middle ages better than uncharted probably not but um it's still a very very good game very entertaining and the endurance mode um is is a beautiful idea that i wish that they'd explored a little more um but this is certainly a game that i could definitely recommend to um to anyone who's who is a fan of the last tomb raider it builds on that and anyone's a fan of the <coughs> uncharted franchise sweet so yes yeah, so that's um rise of the tomb raider Cool. Um, I'm just literally, I've been looking at videos while you've been doing your review. It does look re- remarkably similar to Uncharted in terms of the gameplay mechanics. Is that fair or does it... I mean, I think I think Uncharted, to? to be fair, nicked a lot of the gameplay mechanics from Tomb Raider to start off with. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, yeah they, are, they are remarkably similar. Well, I mean, I've not played this exact one, but I played the previous one and it was very... It had gone... They'd clearly seen Uncharted and gone, right, we're going to make it more cinematic and kind of <laughs> things like that. But the gameplay is very similar, isn't it, Dave? Yeah. It's spookily similar. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. The kind of the double jump up a wall, that, like really just getting right down to basics, kind of um, the way you clamber across ledges and jump from one thing onto a rope that swings you across to another ledge. And, you know, uh, encountering puzzles that just require you to do that kind of climbing in a way that literally only these two games do, Mm. you know, um, where uh, a ridge that you can shimmy along is always highlighted and is always present in every building that you need to ever 
uh, scale, even though you know, no architect in their right mind would ever have put a ledge there. Those kinds, <laughs> of, those kinds of things. That yeah, it does. It does do those things in a very similar way. That's not to say that that's a bad thing. You know, I've enjoy I enjoy both the games for, partly for that. Um, Dave, so, sorry, like if I say, this, the, sorry if I missed this. Sorry if I missed this during your. a bit different. Sorry. No, go on. I was just going to say, sorry if I missed this during your description, but um, are they the same engine or the same developer or studio or anything? No, they're not the same. Uh, no, they're not the same uh, studio. I don't know about engine. Um, I'm, not, <clears> I'm not familiar with either, but I just wondered why, why there was no, that likeness. Di- they're they're different. Uh, yeah, they're different publishers, um, different um, studios. Um, I think really Tomb Raider, you know, twenty years ago, it had its three or four games on the on the early Playstations, and then the franchise dried up, and then Uncharted kind of took on the mantle, uh, and then and developed into what it is today, uh, and then the reboot of the, of Tomb Raider has tried to kind of take that back, and now they're competing for a very similar. Yeah. In, in similar kind of territories, which is yeah. uh, only a good thing if you enjoy that genre, really, because they both do it very well. <clears throat> yeah, I think Tomb Raider had the sort of initial idea, Uncharted polished it better, and now Tomb Raider's <laughs> copied some of their things, and yeah, so they're both going down a similar kind of path. But yeah, like you say, that's not necessarily a bad thing, because no one else is making these kind of games, so it's not as if... It's not like first-person shooters where... <laughs> Maybe they should every, do a crossover. Every second game is that type of thing, but I do want to. Uh, this yeah. is a game I'm interested because in, I played the first. I mean, Tomb Raider one and Tomb Raider two on the PC from whenever it was '95. Are two of my favourite games of all time. I don't think they have aged very well because they're very clunky to play now. However, yeah, they're still two of my favourite games of all time just because of how much I enjoyed them when I when I played them, and I did really enjoy the reboot previous to this one. <laughs> the one where she has a bit more character development, like you say, Dave. But I didn't like... It got to... The closer I got to the end, the more I didn't like the amount of shooting they put in it. And that, to me, was like, oh, we're going to be like Uncharted. Whereas if it had stuck more to its Tomb Raider roots, it would have focused more on the puzzling aspect. Does this one focus more on that kind of thing? What I've heard is this one focuses more on the puzzle aspect as opposed to there's not as much shooting as there was in the first one. Is that true? I there's definitely more focus on the puzzling aspect. I don't think there's any less shooting though. The bit the the okay. kind of big climatic scenes are hordes of people pouring at yeah, you, right. and you're you're blatting them with a grenade launcher, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem very Tomb Raider. Yeah, it's that's less, the it's, thing. Isn't it's it? a bit yeah. less jarring because you don't in this particular game because you don't start with that that kind of yeah I can imagine it, yeah. The, the, the moment at the start of the of the 2013 reboot that st- I still can remember quite vividly now is that kind of haunting moment where she real where she is kind of forced to kill the person who's trying to rape her it's, yeah that is that there's that cut scene that's that's cut scene and, a, and moment there mm-hmm. um and that was quite haunting and it kind of it felt like it was going to set a tone for the way the game worked in that yeah you know what killing there was it was going to put a proper value on life and that it was going to be um uh you know only she was only going to kill in defense and and that kind of thing and then by the end you're you're yeah knocking people's heads off with a yeah yeah or feels and i think it would have been so like i still think it's you know it's a really good eight out of ten game <laughs> the first one yes but i think it could yeah. have been a nine ten out of ten if they'd stuck to that 
making it more survival and just having the odd enemy encounter where everything did feel, where every death did feel more relevant and, uh, I don't know, just, I think what they did at the start was really, really good and they kind of let it slip, basically. <laughs> Which yeah, I think is absolutely. kind of what you think, yeah. Mm. Uh, they kind of, that, the endurance mode kind of adds that back a little a little. Yeah, bit it sounds like in, it, yeah. In that you can, um, if, you, if you're, if, if you, uh, if you do it right, you can, ju- you can stealth your way around most enemies and, you know, you spend a lot of the time just, trump- just trumping through the woods, kind of hunting for bits and pieces and just enough to survive on. And then you'll turn a corner and then it make you jump because there's a set of enemies that you weren't expecting. It's not constantly fighting through people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you get to mess around in Lara's home? <laughs> I think you do on the PS4 one, don't you? Yeah, I think that's, that was one oh, of the exclusive wow. things, I think. Yeah, you go back to Croft. There's a, one of the DLCs is um, Croft Manor, uh, which oh, yes. is... I'm in. Uh, it wasn't that good, wasn't that interesting. Um, it tells It's an awful lot of reading. She discovers a document and then you get a page of text on a TV screen that you have to read mm. through. Um, but there is a zombie version of that, which I haven't got round to playing yet. Okay. Which is apparently better. Cool. I've got to say, I used to love how unforgiving the original Tomb Raider games were. You know, some of the puzzles where it would require you to take a very precise amount of steps to make a jump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in a very, very set manner. And yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. it was massively frustrating, but. Sometimes I don't feel enough games nowadays are unforgiving enough. Well, this is what yeah. I was going to say actually about Dave's earlier point about. Um, the tension of things like when you about the ammo and mm. things like that and I think the tension has gone away in games because of the like ridiculous amount of checkpointing which personally at the minute because I've got no time I think it's a good thing like I'd find it incredibly frustrating if it's taken me hours to get through a certain section but I think it has lost a certain thing of like uh, back when you, could, you couldn't save constantly and you were playing the level and you were feeling like shit I really don't want to die or I've lost this half an hour's progress <laughs> and that, that kind of tension has kind of gone missing because of the fact that it checkpoints every whatever five minutes so I think that also plays a part as well as the ammo kind of thing but, yeah agreed but, but there's positives to both Posit- <laughs> like I say right now I wouldn't want to play a game where I, I could possibly lose an hour's progress just by fucking something up but I can yeah, see absolutely. how that also adds tension to the game. Possibly old games should maybe include... I mean, maybe a lot of them do, but possibly they should include modes where you don't get checkpoints, where you know you can only save at the end of a certain section. Yeah, I mean, that would seemingly be quite an easy thing to implement, wouldn't it? Yeah, I can see, but it, that... that you'd, you'd, uh, I feel like it would be difficult to make you... to make yourself do that mode you see what I mean like yeah. you've kind of lost you, you've again lost attention knowing that there is a mode right next door that yeah, has, yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> has all the save points and it's also a kind of argument that um, if you've just spent £50 on a game um, and Dara Brian does a good does, does, does a good little skit about this in one of his stand up routines if you've paid £50 for a game do you want a game to not let you access all its content <laughs> You know, if if you if you yeah. get stuck at a point, you have to replay half an hour just to get back to that point. You fail it. You replay for another half hour, get back to that point and fail it, and then walk away frustrated. And you never access the second half of the game. It's a bit mm-hmm. of a, yeah, it, you might say it was a bit of a rip off. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I suppose. I think it's, it's, it's the, the difference is now. I definitely I think, see your point, though. Definitely, the difference is now that there's point. just so many more games. So I think that's why this thing has become more convenient. I think back in the day, 
you appreciate like if if it was like now where you paid fifty quid for Tomb Raider and finished it in twelve hours. If you did that back in '96, you'd probably be disappointed <laughs> because it probably mm. took you longer because you had to repeat so many sections. But you could only really afford to get one game every whatever month or something. Whereas yeah. now, with you know constant Steam sales, PSN sales, you can get loads of games for not very much. So you're not really you never run out of games to play. So you kind of don't want any game to last ages really <laughs> so i think yeah. it's just a different mentality now isn't it but it's interesting yeah. definitely cool it's definitely one i want to check out mm. flux as our uh, xbox expert did you play rise of the uh, no i didn't um i've i've only heard good things about it um and from the first tomb raider as well actually um but uh I, I was never a massive tomb raider fan um with the original series and and so i didn't didn't kind of have that nostalgia impetus to pick it back up um, but like I said, I have heard a lot of good things, so I might, might go back at some point and uh, and give it a go. I would recommend, um, for anyone listening who hasn't played it, I think the first Tomb Raider is pretty inaccessible now, but the Tomb Raider anniversary, which was done, I can't remember, still a long time ago, but less long, <laughs> is, a bit, is a bit more of an accessible version with more uh, similarities to like Uncharted E-Controls, but it's still a bit more puzzly and doesn't have... Like they haven't just added in loads of enemies to the game; it's still fairly faithful to the first game, and I think that's really, really good. So I mm. definitely recommend cool. that to people who haven't checked it out. But it is kind of, I think it's a PS3 game, possibly. <laughs> you can definitely get it on PC, so yeah. you probably don't yeah, need PS2, a particularly good. PS3. Okay. Uh, apparently, it's on phone and Mac OS, Mac OS X as well. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. So yeah, that's com- I played it like five or six years ago, but I enjoyed it, and I was surprised at how well, how faithful it was to the original game. Cool. Right, um, I believe there's only one more of you to go, and he's promised us it's a short one. James Flux, what's your <laughs> second uh, yeah, review? I, I, no yeah, pressure. I promise you this will be short. I've got like a page and a half of notes, and half of that's me writing the developer names. Um, uh, the second game I'm going to review for you today is Peggle. Uh, developed and published, oh, by, yes. developed and published <laughs> by PopCap Games on basically every single platform imaginable: uh, PC, iOS, 3DS, 360, PS3, uh, both Xboxes via backwards compatibility on the Xbox One, mobile, you name it, it's on it. Uh, originally released on the 27th of February 2007, uh, Peggle is a 2D puzzle game. Um, where the aim is to fire uh, pinballs from the top of the screen to the bottom, hitting certain coloured pegs that are on the screen in a uh, kind of set picture format uh, to try and achieve a high score. Um, It doesn't take much explaining. It's delightfully simple. Um, it's It's a really basic concept of fireballs, hit pegs, get a high score. That's it. Um, It's got a charming style to it it's sort of really cartoony um the graphics don't need to be anything spectacular and as a result they've kind of used the cartoony style to really influence the whole kind of ethos of the game and the characters of these wonderful cartoony characters as a unicorn uh, a kind of french lobster uh an extreme sports loving hamster it's got it all um a pumpkin. A pu- yeah, a, a pumpkin, a pumpkin that talks. Um, it's super addictive. I had no idea Cable was this into Peggle. Oh, I'm a fucking Peggle. <laughs> um, it's super addictive. 
it's really fun and it's really con- and it's self-contained in kind of really short uh, short bursts so you just keep coming back for more um, you can squeeze it in basically any time when you're recording a podcast you know whatever just sit here play a bit of peggle um, it's a- it's absolutely great um, I can't really th- I was trying to come up with some cons of this game and I couldn't really think of any the, the closest I could come up with is that there's a lack of balance in the powers of each character. So every time you play as a character, and if you hit the two green pegs there are on each level, it will do their special move, which might be um, providing you a guide so that you can see where the ball will go after its first bounce off a peg, or so that it will respawn back at the top after it hits the bottom. Um, but there's, there's clearly some that are much, much better than others. So whilst they're designed, whilst in the story mode, effectively you have to lump what powers you get and each of the levels is designed so that the power of the character that you're using will help you as much as possible. Ultimately, once you've completed the story mode and you get towards the end where you can pick your own characters, there are clearly three or four that are much, much better than all the others. Um, And so you're never going to use the flippers ever again because they're awful. Whereas you're frequently going to use the Zen ball and the Spooky ball over and over again because they're awesome. Um, but really, that's a, that's a nitpick. This is a absolutely simple yet addictive game that probably spawned that phrase in, in its cliched form as it is now. It's super fun. You always want to come back to it. It's a brilliant, brilliant way to kill about five minutes and I would heartily encourage anyone that hasn't played it go out and get it it's absolutely everywhere on every single device ever so there's no excuse cool um, I might check out Peggle the thing that's always put me off is the horse I don't know why oh my god <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, th- I think I came on the right games episode for this Peggle is just amazing you just reminded me about Peggle, and I'm going to go away now. I'm going to be addicted to it again. Um, yeah, I start. I got into it when I was at uni. One of my friends introduced me to it on the PC version, and we just like were obsessed with it for like a good like few weeks. Um, and what I loved about it was a sort of like it's just got a sense of humour as well as everything else. Like all the characters are kind of funny, and the stuff which happens is funny. Like the music is funny. Like when when you get. Um, I can't what it's called now. Is it called Fever or something? Where you yeah, get, at the end, yeah. Like, a, you get a certain amount of things and then these, like, rainbows come out and stuff. It's just like, I don't know, it it sort of feels like it's been designed by someone who was, like, on drugs or something. Like, it's quite trippy. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's a lot of fun. I need to check it out. Like I say, the horse has put me off because I don't know what, I don't like cartoon horses. Isn't it a unicorn? It, it is, oh, it is a unicorn, yeah. Oh, come right. on, Clive, it's a oh, unicorn. Oh, right, well, now I'm in. <laughs> I mean, I've got nothing against horses. I'm a big fan of horses, but cartoon horses that... Oh, so why I haven't watched BoJack Horseman. Same reason. Cartoon horse in it. <laughs> but yeah, I will this check it out. This is the oddest prejudice of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand those bloody cartoon horses. Is that why you... Um, is that why you're <laughs> not in the cavalry? <laughs> what about a pony from Zelda? Because yeah, you've got the big lamps. She's great, but she's, she's less cartoony. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Cartoon, I don't know, cartoon horses with like emotional faces. That's what it is. My Little Pony? Fa- expressive faces. Bit shit. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peggle's great. I think one of the other things I love about it was, it was, it was 
There's, there is quite an element of randomness to stuff that can happen. And like sometimes just oh, things just spiral out of control and you end up like getting millions and millions of points. Tell you what I hate, games that are purely skill-based like chess. So I've got no hope <laughs> of winning it. I mean, there, there, is a, there is an element of skill to Peggle, but it is quite... Yeah, like, elements of skill are fine, but there's got to be some randomness. Particularly when you start a level and there's like loads and loads of um, the things which you're trying to get. I can't remember what they're called. Pegs, maybe. That, that, would, that would make sense. That would make sense. Um, you can just fire it and like randomly it'll just go out of control and you get like all of that. All the rainbows will start firing out and it'll just be oh, like mental. Um, Normal rainbow. But yeah, I thoroughly agree. It's a fantastic game. Awesome. That was an unexpected review there, Flux. But a, <clears throat> a um, good one. Yeah, well, I was, I was thinking of something that I could use that was light and short to kind of balance out the epic that was my Destiny review. And then I was, and then whilst I was <laughs> trying to procrastinate destiny. thinking, I was playing Peggle. I was like, "Why don't I just review this? This is a brilliant game." <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid thinking process. Um, I've not got another sorry. game to review. I'm just gonna. Sorry, Al, go on. No, sorry, it was it was me. I just wondered, ah. Clive, where do you stand on Black Beauty? <laughs> <laughs> Again, do the horses talk in that? No. No. But uh, they don't talk, right? I might be alright with it. I've not watched it because okay. I'll be honest, because of the horses. <laughs> Although I'm just I trying do to get love to where the grey like area is. So it's somewhere between Black Beauty and My Little Pony. <laughs> is that that's where the line is? I've got no <laughs> real issue with horses. In fact, I, I like horses, but for some reason, I don't like. <laughs> I've got nothing things. against horses. Oh, I don't know. You just don't Let want a live. horse protagonist. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's it. I think you don't want a horse protagonist. You just don't want if the, the protagonist to do is well. on a horse, that's fine. <laughs> I don't want to do well. Like Red Dead, love it. I like the horse element in Red Dead. Yeah, but, um, the horse? horse isn't the protagonist. Well, I, th- I think you'll... I think it's if horses aren't slaves. I'm not interested. I think you'll so find that probably... the, the horse or the unicorn in Peggle, you find is a dark horse. And you actually love it. <laughs> Whoa! I knew I brought a cable up for something, and it wasn't just his Peggle knowledge. Or, or that present that he brought you. Or the Pokemon Book of Joy, which I was definitely in Clive. need of. Clive, what are you going to buy Cable for his birthday? Um, He's missed it. Well, I've forgotten it, so it's going to be late, but um, something may or may not be in the mail for his birthday. We don't which, usually which do thought, presents. But which I, just... I thought was this Sunday. So, yeah, but I'm not going to reveal what that we is. We don't usually do presents, but I just saw this and instantly thought of you. That's the way I like to do presents. Like, yeah, exactly. If you see it means more if it's like you uh, see something. Shit, and I need something for this guy's birthday. <laughs> um, but having said that, I never do them either way because I'm rubbish. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I was just going to do a very quick summary. At what time are we on, Al? Are you, are you keeping track? Because I've lost. Uh, what time in the day? Or no, just like po- podcast. A oh, one hour uh, ten. One minutes, hour. That's one fine. hour ten. Yeah. Got a few minutes. Um, Quickly, I was just going to say, very excited. You've totally you in the plug time thing there by actually asking for the oh, time fuck. on the podcast, yeah, haven't you? No, it's fine, yeah. we can do it again. No one will do it. I was going to say, I was hoping to do a little preview on Pokemon Moon because I thought that Amazon might have sent it to me before its release date of tomorrow. However, they've sucked and not done it. So I haven't got it. But I'm very excited to play it tomorrow. I have been playing, I've just finished Pokemon Alpha Sapphire. Um, currently massive Pokemon addict I'm watching the Pokemon anime collecting the cards playing the cards online and just finished playing the game ready to play the next game um, I'm not going to review Alpha Sapphire because I'm going to review Pokemon Moon and I think you know there's only so much Pokemon our listeners can handle 
But I'm very excited to play it tomorrow and to start with Rowlet, who is an owl. It is, I've been waiting my entire life for an owl start Pokemon, and it's finally happened. So, pretty excited. Secondly, I, I I've played... Sorry, Al. No, I was, I was just going to say, I think I missed the obvious segue into plug time, because I was expecting this. Just that's in my <laughs> defence right at the... Okay. <laughs> Carry on. Um, next thing I was going to mention very quickly was... I picked up the Battlefront DLC season pass for £6 um, through methods that I won't divulge, but slightly dodgy, <laughs> but actually apparently perfectly legal. Uh, so I've been playing that. It was actually free this weekend anyway, for, for people who wanted to play it. I would say don't pay more than... If you can get it for about £10, I'd say it's worth it. It's definitely not worth 48 quid or whatever it is, even though there is some Rogue One stuff coming out, I think. But I've, I've enjoyed playing particularly the Bespin one, which is like on Cloud City, where, um, what's his face, Lando. Lando Corrissian. Yeah, that, those maps are pretty cool because they're kind of cor- more corridory based and I'm better at those because I'm a, you know, a GoldenEye enthusiast and there's loads of corridors in GoldenEye. Bloody good in corridors. Whereas, Speaking of GoldenEye. <laughs> whereas the, yeah. Clive, we'll and get, I, Clive and I were watching it the other night and got well, very nostalgic aroused. about the, film, about oh, yeah, the nostalgic. game. It wasn't aroused. Um, yeah, whereas a lot of the Battlefront maps are really open and I'm terrible on open maps because people just snipe me all the time because I just run around and I'm not very good at hiding. So yeah, enjoyed. I've been enjoying that, although like I say, I would not pay 40 quid for it. Definite rip-off. But the extra maps are cool for if you can pick them up for six or eight quid and there are sales happening on it now. I'm pretty sure they'll release a Game of the Year edition soon for like 20 quid with it all in and that'll be well worth it. Um, and finally, Nintendo revealed the NX. It is called the Nintendo Switch. Um, it is a, as everyone suspected, a sort of hybrid handheld slash home console where you can plug your, essentially a bit like a Wii U gamepad, into a dock and then it plays at home. Or you can take it out with you, you can snap off the sides and play two player on a little screen. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I thought the, the intro trailer didn't reveal loads, it just kind of revealed what it did, but I think it did a good job of revealing what it did, and I'm excited about it because, well, it's a Nintendo thing. Um, people are going on about it needs to get third-party support to survive. I disagree. I think Nintendo are going for a... I think they are happy with... I, I think they want to be, like, you know, front-runners or whatever, but I think they're happily... I think they can survive serving their niche audience if they do it right. I don't think they need to worry about getting... I don't think they're going to compete with, um, you know, getting Call of Duty on the what, on their console. I don't think they're going to attract people who want to play Call of Duty on to buy a uh, Nintendo console. I just don't think that's going to happen. So I don't... Personally, I don't think the third-party support is that important. I think it would be nice to get some good third-party games that make games exclusively for it, that use the features it's got that other ones don't, such as the you know, switching between the handheld or whatever. But I don't think it's crucial. I just think Nintendo needs to make good games on it, and then it, it'll, it'll be fine. But, yeah, they've, they've done a better job of... I think the Wii U failed because they didn't do a good job of what it was... They didn't do a good job of uh, telling people what it did. People were just confused. Whereas this one, I think it's pretty clear what it does. So that's pretty cool. I don't, I don't, there's some gripes I have about it. Like I think the controllers taken off the side look a bit too small to play on a screen, but I still think it'll be fun. Like now, even though I'm sat now with cable with this tablet, I'm thinking if we were playing something on it, it would be kind of cool. And I like the idea of being able to take it around to someone's house quite easily and just play with them. So that's cool. But mainly I'm just excited about what looks like a new Super Mario 3D game 
a new Mario Kart, a Zelda, you know, all my favourite games. Literally, my, of my top five games, three of them are 3D Mario titles, so you can imagine how excited I am about a 3D Mario. <laughs> so, yeah. March, bring it on. That's all I say. I was going say, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I realise I'm not the Nintendo expert by any means, but I'm very excited about this, and I think that the... Um, the the kind of the point you're making there about it not necessarily being a, one of the front you know catching up with the PlayStation or the Xbox type front runner console, uh, I think an important part for it will be its price point. Uh, yeah, because it w- it would definitely Ooh. be something I would be interested in getting to, in addition to a PlayStation. Should the price point be yeah. Should the price point be right? I'm not the kind of person who's going to buy. I'm not, you know, money bags flux over here with two full <laughs> next gen next generation consoles. I think, um, yeah, old Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> <laughs> which is why he can't afford wardrobe doors on his wardrobe. But... <laughs> it's, it's more, I think it's that's more the, possibly the wardrobe. The massive wardrobe we already have is is still full because of all the clothes we can afford. <laughs> so we have to then outsource it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think. I mean, it would be ideal for me if, like the, if if it played all the other stuff. You know, the third party games because then I wouldn't bother buying a PlayStation because you know the PlayStation and Xbox don't have enough exclusives for me to warrant buying them. I buy the PlayStation or the Xbox as a way of playing those other third party games and their exclusive. Then it's worth it. If it was just PlayStation exclusive, I'd literally be playing what Uncharted and uh, Last Guardian, and that's about it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm not particularly bothered about those. But yeah, so if I mean, it would be ideal for me if it just if it played everything. But I don't. I know that's not the way they're going and they're using cheap I think they're using the you know the power's not quite the same it's not going to be as powerful as a PS4 Pro or whatever but mm. I'm not so I don't think that's going to encourage develop third party developers to put stuff on it because they're going to have to like break it down or whatever but I, I'm fine with that because well I you know I'm a massive Nintendo fan I'm going to buy it anyway I might not buy it at launch it depends on the launch games but I'll buy it as soon as a 3D Mario comes out at a pinch but yeah, I'm just excited about it, and I think they should. They just need to. Re- I think they just need to rethink the model a little bit and be. You, you know, the Wii U sold 13 million and has been seen as a huge failure. But if they can, I think selling 13 million of something is still pretty good as long as you're not expecting. I don't know if you cut development costs or do whatever to fit that audience. I think they can do fine. And I don't know if they're going to have another success like the Wii. I think it could happen, but I don't think they can predict that. Where it's like, you know, it sells 350 million or whatever ridiculous amount the Wii sold. But (laughs) I still don't think the Wii is the best Nintendo console. So I don't think selling a lot of consoles means a lot. Like, I love the Wii U and that's their worst selling console. But I would rather have really good games on it and have a lot of fun with it and obviously I want Nintendo to survive otherwise I'd be gutted but <laughs> I'm not I, bothered about it. I think the Wii U is just a bit runners. of a weird name I think that might, yeah the, it was that and they didn't market it very well and yeah but it's still done alright you know, it sold yeah. 30 million it's not like no one's bought it ever see I, I agree with most of the things you said Clive but my one downside <laughs> about this is that <laughs> you fucking love horses kind of... <laughs> no, my one, my I one hate downside, your horses and... <laughs> my one downside with the, the Nintendo Switch is I watched the trailer and it it looks like you have to be incredibly good looking to be able to have oh. it, which is which is fine for me. But some of my friends, like, yeah, I'm not sure they might be able to. <laughs> Obviously, we're fine, but 
Yeah, there was. Also, you've got to apparently be playing a game of basketball to then play it virtually on the yeah. screen, yeah. which is a bit of annoying. Because yeah. <laughs> I quite like just playing it without having to get a ball out. But I mean, uh, demographic demographic show that our listenership are exceedingly ugly would make, make it a problem. Um. It might make it a problem. Also, they had ridiculously swanky apartments, and it, one of them went to walk his dog, but then just plays Zelda. Well, I did a piece of that. So. All right. See, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited, but I am. I'm very excited. Um. Also, there are rumours that it's going to be like two hundred dollars, so that's pretty. That would be a very ridiculously good price point. I think it's going to do well because I know so, quite a few people who don't own Nintendo consoles who said that they might get this, and if they can do that, then I think they're onto a winner. I think, yeah, I think like Dave says, they need to make the price point so that people get it as well as what they've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there will be some people who just get that if they can do some stuff to fit the more casual audience which I think they can well, I'm, I'm tempted can. to get one, get this and I've not had it well the last one I had was a Wii um, I play my N64 yeah I mean I'm, I'm the same same boat that's the last Nintendo I had was a Wii and if it can do those it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a reimagined Wii but if it can kind of do that supplementary and party type stuff then it probably have a yeah. good mm-hmm. in with the people who have other consoles yeah excellent right does somebody want to come up with a really natural segue that I, we can maybe? I thought you were going to do one then. Out? Yeah. Maybe we can read out another quote from this book. Is there anything about time in there? Oh, there's not a time section. I'm sure Clive will get this in the edit. Yeah. Um, maybe I hope not. So, maybe leave it in for comedy it. effect. Show profession unprofessionalism. What adventures will await? Will our friends find along the way? Those answers aren't yet written in stone. No. <laughs> um. Book time! <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at stickaroundcast. Uh, email Love. us stick, stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes or what, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us five star reviews. Um, give us money at Patreon slash stickaround. Is that right? Dave? Sure. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um. And what have I missed? There's something. Facebook. Email. Stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com. Send us emails. Ask us questions. We'll read them out on the podcast and we will love you long time. Instagram. We will. Instagram slash stickaroundpodcast, I think. Yeah, it is. Pictures of me and Cable um, live. Well, they, they, they were live. Obviously, now that you're looking at yeah. them, it's later in the time. But... Um, um, yeah. There is there is another um, snail picture of Michael. Oh, there is, um, and it's great. He's, a, he's get he's got his neck out again. Um, Literally, I had the crappiest day ever, and I looked at it and I felt amazing. So um. it just it's never even it's never even planned as well. It's just that's the way he gets into photos. He just extends his neck. I thought it was planned. No, it really the thing wasn't. Is, well, the thing is, he wouldn't have had oh, to wow. have extended his neck to be in the photo either. It was just it's a natural reaction to the camera wherever his head is. <laughs> Snail neck. Oh, Michael McSnaily. <laughs> oh, by the way, we've decided we're sticking with the Swiss bunker. Uh, yes. HQ. Uh, turns out Iceland, uh, Reykjavik, is extremely expensive. expensive. Yeah. yeah. Even more so <laughs> than Could have told you that. Although, to be fair, Switzerland's uh, not cheap. But if you hide in a bunker deep enough, no one can spot you, so you don't have to pay any tax. Yeah, yeah. We'll avoid mm. it. We'll avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, 
I think we should be doing music next. It was due, but we'll see. It was going to be this one, wasn't it? But the logistics are proving difficult. They are. Yeah. Herding cats. Uh, Right. It's (laughs) goodbye from my co-host James Cable. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Clive Fisher. Hasta mañana. Goodbye from James Flux. Ta-ta. That's very camp. Oh, man. It's, uh, you should let one James because he's a rocket. Goodbye from Dave Peeling. Lubricious felicitations. <laughs> and ta-ra from me. See you later. Stick around. Stick around. I want to be the very best. Thank you all for listening Rest assured that you have found The best podcast in the universe It's Stick Around Nailed That feels like an end (laughs) How do you feel about a rapidash? (laughs) A rash? (laughs) A rapidash (laughs) A rash (laughs) Cartoon horse, mate. Oh, Rapidash, that's a horse, isn't it? I don't like that. Well, it's on fire, Pokey. which is kind of good. Pokey does horse. It, does it die fire itself to death? No. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like an unsustainable Pokemon. <laughs> the case. It evolves into Rapidash and then just dies. <laughs> My favourite Pokemon. Ah. The self-destructing horse. <laughs>